turn your notes to Psalm 103. And praise God, we were in Romans for about a year and it was an awesome, awesome Bible study. And um, we're kind of bookending and, and this, this, this uh, I know we plan our ways, God directs our steps. Um, I had looked at my notes and I thought, okay, I left off at Psalm 102 before we started into Romans. And so I'm like, Psalm 103 must be next. And I got, I'm like, man, this, this, this is such an awesome Psalm. And I, I started thinking, man, this is, it's almost like I got an outline in my mind already and so forth. And so I, I, I studied all week and worked all week on it, was so excited. And then on Friday, they were doing the bulletin and everything, the gals there in the office and my wife says to me, do you know you taught on this a year ago? You did part one and part two, Psalm 103. And I'm like, well, we're doing it again this morning. So if there's a Psalm worthy of being taught twice in a year, it's Psalm 103. So um, anyhow, maybe I shouldn't have said that to you. Now you're like, oh, we've already heard this. I'm going home. And what I want to do is just dive right into it. We're, we're not, I'm not going to read through the whole Psalm at once. We're going to set it up and then we're going to go... Uh, the first few verses, we'll be setting it up, and then we're just going to make our way down through it. And again, I think you're going to be awesomely blessed this morning. So notice how it starts. We get that title there, A Psalm of David. And when we go through these psalms, when we know who the author is, a lot of time we'll talk a little bit about them because it helps give understanding and context and so forth for where we are. So A Psalm of David. And absolutely, we know David is a man, just like all of us, whose heart God saw. And if you go back there to 1 Samuel, after King Saul had failed in being king because, again, he was walking in rebellion. He was wanting to do things his way versus God's way. And God wanted a king who would do thing, things his way. We know that the, the time had come for him to pass on while still being king but another king would be anointed and we know that jesse david's father was sent by samuel the prophet to his house to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of israel and remember the account there jesse is there saul or or samuel shows up and it seems that all of jesse's sons are there and several of them are very impressive in their appearance and their demeanor and so forth. And you know what? Samuel's there thinking, especially about one of the older brothers, surely this has to be the next king. And yet he goes through all of them. And the Lord says, not him, not him, not him, not him. And then finally, you know, after all the sons there are seen as not the next king, as Samuel's hearing from the Holy Spirit, he says to Jesse, you got any other sons? You know, what's going on here? Well, I got one more and he's younger and he's out in the field. And he was out there not only tending to sheep, but knowing from what we know of David's life, we know he was out there worshiping God. He's called the psalmist of Israel as he was a great worshiper of the living God. So, you know, they called David in and You know, they're probably standing there. It's a little awkward maybe now at this point because he came to anoint one of his sons and none of them are anointed and they're just kind of standing around, you know, kind of injecting that and so forth. But David shows up and Samuel looks upon him. And again, it's, he's not as impressive as the other brothers and so forth. 
and he's younger than all of them. You know what? There's estimates that maybe he's like 12 years old, 13 years old at this point. And it's interesting there in 1 Samuel, and this is setting us up for this morning, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. Speaking of the older brother, the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord looks at the out, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we know previously in the few chapters earlier that God had said, I'm gonna raise up a king now, a man after my own heart. And David was a man, biblically, we see it recorded in scripture, who had a heart after God. And I think that heart is seen hugely in this psalm here. This psalm, this message that we entitled this morning, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, we see that David's heart was a heart of worship. It was a heart of thanksgiving. We'll see from this psalm that he had a humble heart. Was David perfect? He was far from perfect. And yet one thing you can take note about David, David was always quick to repent and he was quick to thank God for forgiving him of his iniquity and his sin. That's a picture of a man with a heart after God. David was a man as well that had a biblical and eternal perspective he saw things through scripture he saw things in you know at the setting of eternity versus just what was before him and you know what things uh immediately instead he saw things long term so many prophecies that he wrote as the spirit of god moved on him concerning the coming messiah jesus who didn't come to set up a kingdom here but an eternal kingdom and again, in this psalm, we see the declaration. It's David declaring it to us. It's David preaching it to us. But it's David preaching to himself in the midst of all the things that he went through, the ups and downs, the trials, the blessings, and so forth, to bless the Lord with all that he had, with his soul, with all of his being, with all of his person. And we're called to do that as well. And I love how this psalm is laid out. Because as David's preaching to us, as he's preaching to himself, we see that then he gives a partial, because it's a list that just keeps going on, a partial list of benefits that we receive from the Lord and reasons to bless the Lord. Maybe you're sitting here going, well, yeah, I know I should do that, but give me a good reason. You're going to get a bunch of them this morning. And the list just keep going on and on and on as we even read in the Psalms that he daily loads us with benefits, so many more than we are even you know, aware of. And we need to be a people that get more aware of all the benefits that we have from the Lord. That last breath that you just took is a benefit from God. God's the one that gave you that breath. The ability to get up this morning has been given to us by God. And so much more, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights from above. And so we're going to see that this morning. We're also going to see again added benefits for those who fear the Lord, those that have a reverence for God, those that believe his word, that have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, in this psalm, you're going to see some, some awesome and some, at least of my favorite verses when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to being washed. And that's a concept that we need to grow in our understanding concerning so again, a psalm of David, 
And then the first thing he says in verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now our soul, look at it, it's really our heart, it's our mind. Our soul really is the core of our person. Our emotions are found in our soul. Our thinking is found in our soul. You could say, you know, it's that area from your heart to your head, sort of speak. Obviously, there's a mystery in our soul. There's a mystery concerning our spirit. Our flesh, not a lot of mystery there. Our flesh is the shell that contains the soul and the spirit. And praise God, one day this flesh is going to get remade when we go to be with the Lord and it will be glorious. In the meantime, you know what? I was having problems with my shoulder this morning and this flesh comes soon, Lord Jesus, you know. And our spirit, I think you could say, you know, it is really that breath of God. We're not God. We know that he is God, but God gave breath to man. God gave man that spirit that absolutely the day's coming and the spirit and the soul, I think they're very tightly knit. Uh, that day's coming when again, the spirit will return to the Lord for judgment. It's appointed for man to die once. Then after death comes the judgment, the spirit, the soul, the body goes down back to the earth. And again, then in Christ, we go to be with him, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But again, that day is coming of the resurrection of the flesh of those in Christ Jesus. We have a great future and hope. That's a bonus benefit that he doesn't even get into this morning. So we're just touching on that as we're laying this down. So bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Really, again, my inner man, my heart, and with my mind. And again, David is proclaiming this, that he wants to do this with all of his soul, not with part of my soul, not with part of my mind, not with part of my heart, not I'm just gonna give God 90% of my heart and I'm gonna keep that 10% off in the distance, you know, this little closet there in my heart where I have kind of all of these things that I don't want anyone to know about and I wanna try to hide them from God. We can't do that. We can't hide anything from God. And again, David is just bringing that proclamation, preaching to himself, preaching to us, worship God. He's saying, David, pursue God. David, honor God in everything and again we do know this is written for us but again the context in the sense of the psalm of david david predominantly again is preaching to himself again bless the lord oh my soul now again we know we're being taught we're being called to do this as well but again, the first context, he's preaching to himself. And here's the thing in this, and we talk about this often, you're gonna preach to yourself more than anybody else in the course of your life. And let me ask you this morning, what are you preaching to your soul? Are you preaching the path of life, words of life? Or are you preaching the path of death and words of death? We see both of them in the scripture. I think of a man that Jesus talked about in Luke 12 who built barns and he had a plentiful harvest and he basically had all the things that he felt like he needed and then he's like well what am I going to do now I know what I'll do I'll tear down these barns and I'll build new barns and I'll stuff the new bigger barns with even more of these things that are coming from the earth to feed us vegetables and grains and all this stuff and then he preaches to his soul in Luke 12, 19, he says, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So he's saying to his soul, just again, pursue the things of this life and then make your life about just pleasure and so forth, your own fleshly pursuits. 
eat, drink, and be merry, and so forth. And if you continue to read that account, we know that God calls him a fool and says, don't you know that tonight your soul is required of you? So he preaches this to himself and it'd be the last sermon he ever preached to himself because he dropped dead and then had to give an account of his life before the living God. Compare that again with David. David is a man that preached worship God to his soul. And he didn't just do it here and there. We see it as a constant in David's life. We see it not only in times of blessing, we see it as well in times of trial. And then in the times when David would get away from that, the Lord would always chasten him and we would see him then being brought back around by the hand of God to say, what am I doing here? I need to bless the Lord. I need to seek the Lord. An interesting passage there in 1 Samuel 30. We see that David was really in a place he should not have been wanting to even join the army of the Philistines against the Israelites. God did not allow that to happen. Aren't you glad there's times when God does not allow things to happen? We got a good idea and it's just the dumbest idea and God just comes in and stonewalls it. Thank you, Lord, for that. Have you given praise to God for that lately? But again, they come back with the men and they find out the, the, the women and the children have been taken captive by an enemy of Israel and David's mighty men who loved him started speaking of stoning him and killing him and you know what David did David said I better bless the Lord I need to get back to the Lord and in the midst of it it says there in first Samuel 36 David strengthened himself in the Lord his God and so I throw that out there this morning because I would have to think that as we come in here there's a there's a, a pretty good possibility that we're not all exactly in the same place. You might be in a place where you haven't been really seeking the Lord as you should. Maybe you're in a place where you're in a season of correction. And then you even hear a message like this and you're like, man, I want to do that, but I'm so far over here. It doesn't matter where you're at if, you're, if, you, if you know in a sense you're far from the Lord or maybe you're like, yeah, this is already resonating. Bless the Lord. I woke up this morning blessing the Lord. Here's the thing. The call is to all of us right now. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that's within me. And it's really a daily thing. And beautifully, again, we can get a million steps away from the Lord, but it's just one step back. And David was in that place there in 1 Samuel 30. You know, it seemed like it was a million steps from the Lord, but again, when God chased him and kind of let the walls start coming in for his own sake, he said, I'm gonna strengthen myself in the Lord. Where can I turn to help? I know I need to turn to the Lord, bless the Lord. Let me lay it all down before the Lord. Let me bring my heart before the Lord. Let me bring my thoughts before the Lord. Let me lay it all down before the King of Kings and the God upon high. Notice verse two, he says it again. And sometimes you gotta preach the same sermon to your heart over and over and over and over again, and that's okay. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says, forget not his benefits. Hopefully again in this, we're in agreement with David. We wanna bless the Lord with all of our soul. Can we say amen to that this morning? All that's within us. But again, it is a battle because as the soul wants to bless the Lord, we know oftentimes the flesh wants to do its own thing and says, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know, God's good, but we don't need to pursue him. You know what? Just pursue the things you want to pursue. 
And we even see that sin nature in us that battles with that new nature, that inner man that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Has anyone noticed that? That there, there's, there's a battle that goes on where, you know what, you got, I, I need to worship the Lord and yet there's a pull to say, you know what, no, let's just, let's just put that on the back burner and so forth. Well, listen, this is a great aid and this is very practical, a, a, a great help in stirring us to bless the Lord with all of our souls. Because he says it again, bless the Lord on my soul. And then he says, forget not all his benefits. And so he's reminding himself, as no doubt the flesh is, well, you know, we don't got time to bless the Lord. We're really busy. We got all this stuff going on. We'll bless the Lord later down the road. You know, we'll get around to that. You know, we got, we got time for prayer next week. We got time for worship next week. We got time for the business of God next week. Let, let's be about these things now. But listen, he puts out a great truth here and forget not all his benefits. Because here's the thing, when the benefits that come from God get put before us, it puts things in its right perspective and it's a great aid in abounding and blessing the Lord in knowing and thinking on and never forgetting all the benefits that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the more we set our minds on the word, the more his word dwells in us, the more that praise will come from us to God and more that unction will be there to again want to bless God with all our souls and remember what Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you bless the Lord with all my soul should be number one in my life every single day and at every moment there is nothing that is more important than blessing the Lord with all of my soul and whatever's before me and we might have a long list of tasks and so forth. That's okay, but let's make sure in that we're blessing the Lord first. And like, well, I got time to bless the Lord. Then you're too busy over here. And it's amazing when you say we'll put God first, how God can go and manipulate time before you. At times he can even make the sun stand still. We read about it in Joshua, which will be starting in two weeks on Wednesday night. Come and join us for the study. And, and you know what? He stretched, God, God can do way more with an hour when I put him first than I can do when I say, I don't got time for you, Lord, and I got all day. Don't you believe that? I mean, again, this needs to be a primary thing in our life, never forgetting. I love there Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, uh, and admonishing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing with the grace in your hearts to the lord and whatever you do in word or deed notice here do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him and the point in that is again getting his word richly in us as well as again the knowledge of those benefits and they're laid out in scripture and even scripture gives us platforms to see all these benefits that fall on various verses. Again, the fact that God gives us the breath in our lungs. And so you can know God gives me strength to get up. God gives me to think anything I do. God gives me the ability to do what I do. It doesn't necessarily mean he approves of everything that we do, but he gives us all of those things these things stir praises in our lives and yet so often we lose sight of that we get short-sighted 
It's a short-sighted world out there that's unthankful, ungrateful for the most part of all of the benefits. That sun came up today because God called it to rise up. That's a benefit from God. If that sun doesn't come up tomorrow, we're all in trouble. We're in big, big trouble. I imagine it would take about two, three days for everything to start dying off. These are all benefits from the Lord. And now he starts again to list them, to even preach to himself. Soul, these are reasons to bless the Lord with everything that you have and everything that's in you. And again, it's a list that even goes way beyond these things listed. I love Psalm 68, 19. Again, bless the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. You're loaded down this morning. And even all the more is Jesus your Lord. Can you say amen to that? You need to know that you are loaded down with benefits from God. Who doesn't love a benefit? I mean, benefits are glorious. That's benefit and blessing. It goes hand in hand. And you are loaded down. Maybe I'm not loaded down. I refuse. Yes, you are. Because even the ability to go, I'm not loaded down. I refuse is a gift from God. You got breath in your lungs. And even the ability to push back God in his grace and goodness gave you that even while he is trying to get hold of you to say, come to me. Being patient and long suffering with us, even when we get stubborn and stupid and everything else. Notice verse three, the benefits begin to lay out, begin to lay out. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Look at iniquity, sin in the garden, sin in our lives. If it's not washed, if it's not forgiven, the result of it when one dies in his iniquity versus dying in salvation of Christ is eternal hell. Sin is destructive. Sin destroys lives. In the life of a believer, sin, when it goes unchecked, it quenches and aggrieves the Holy Spirit of God. That's bad news, but here's the good news. Forgiveness is available for all of our sin and iniquity. All we gotta do is ask. Ask and receive. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us, notice here, from all unrighteousness. Don't you rejoice in the Lord for that? Thank you, God. And it's not to make light of our sin. It's not to go, well, you know what? Let's go for it. God will forgive us. It's, it, it's not that. We should grieve over sin. And we should have a fear of God in regards to those things. But even if you have all the fear of God, you're still gonna fall short at times. You know, Dave, Paul said, I do the very thing that I hate. And you know what? Probably the, the, the prime of his apostleship and so forth. But praise God, what a benefit. Because if he didn't forgive all my iniquities, I am going to hell for eternity and rightfully so. But he forgives, not just few of them, not just some of them, not just, well, we forgive this list, but not this list over here. He forgives them all. And really part of this psalm is really David even preaching to himself and us to receive that. When we look at that this morning, do you receive that or do you doubt it? See, our sin is a debt and Jesus paid the debt. Jesus was the only one who could pay the debt. It took a sinless savior, a sinless sacrifice to pay the debt of my sin. And when he went to the cross, he paid your debt. He paid my debt for all of our iniquity. So the debt's been paid. Let me ask you this. 
If you know what, you got a mortgage or maybe you're like saying one day, I hope I get a mortgage. You know, that's my life, my life ambition. I just want to get that mortgage. Uh, I want to own my own house. Well, you, you probably won't own it for 30 years. And then even from then you still got to pay tax. I don't want to like gloom and doom up here and whatnot, but listen, let's just say it's all paid off. That day comes, you pay it off. Do you keep paying the mortgage company or do you go? It's all paid off. Thank you, Lord. I'm about four years ago, God blessed us a fellowship to pay off our mortgage. And we're able to do some projects like this because that's paid off now. You know, it's amazing when you can put $10,000 in the savings account every month versus sending it off, you know, in the mail or whatever. We, after it was paid off, you know what? We've never sent them another red cent. It's paid off. The debt's paid. God brought the provision. God brought provision through his people. But listen, God brought the provision through Jesus Christ. The debt has been paid. Isn't that a daily benefit in the Lord? You still have to pay your mortgage. But, and notice he heals all our diseases. Look at, he's not just some doctor. He is the great physician. And the main disease spoken of here is the disease of sin because really all disease is the root of, it's rooted in sin. Maybe not directly your sin, but you go back to the garden when Adam sinned, he ate of that tree, a curse came on the world and we have a fallen world. And though positionally we're right with God, practically at times we're still subjected to the result of that curse there in the garden. But Jesus Christ, he absolutely paid the penalty of our sin. And there is a healing from the eternal effect of sin in our life, which again is the root of every disease that's out there. Notice Isaiah 53, four through six in context, because this is so oftentimes taken out of context. Speaking of Christ, this was given hundreds of years before he came. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The context is sin. He bore the wrath through us so that we can be healed of sin. And praise God, we have a day coming real soon when the effects of disease will never be in our flesh ever again. And in Christ, we have souls and spirits that are right before God through the work of Jesus Christ and the cross. Now listen, in the meantime, I think the healthy approach on this is that in Christ we're healed, we're being healed, and we're gonna be healed. And as far as where we are right now with disease and so forth, we should always bring that before God. How oftentimes do we have not because we ask not, but we also can just rest knowing that God's timing is perfect. Look at by God's grace, we, we see a lot of people get touched by God and get healed. Some supernaturally, some it's through physicians and so forth. We don't counsel God on when or how. All I know is I know we need to ask and I do know this in Christ Jesus, we're healed, we're being healed and we're gonna be healed. And if even there's a prolonged time where he says, I'm gonna allow this to be there like that thorn in Paul's flesh, God's even using that for good. We're a blessed people. Verse four, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. To redeem, we've looked at this often, it means to be purchased out of slavery and never to be put on the auction block again. We have been redeemed out of destruction. 
And how? Notice Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. We were purchased out by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ from eternal destruction into eternal life in Christ and even in our own lives here from aimless conduct to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are reasons to praise him. And he's crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this. There in verse 13, which we'll get to, he talks about God being like a father who pities his sons, who pities his daughters. I look at tender mercy and loving kindness different than just mercy. When I think of mercy, at least through me as a vessel, I think of, you know what, oh, there's a bug there. Should I crush him? I feel merciful today. I'll pick him up and throw him outside. And some people, they just do that at every turn. God bless you in that. But compare that to the way you tend to your child. It's tender mercies at every single turn. Again, we, it, it's not just, well, I, you know what? We gave birth to you. Now you're on your own. No, it's, we are going to, we, we are going to focus so much of our life, God first. And then we are going to focus so much on you. We're going to tend to every need. You know, we're going to try to build you up. We're going to sow into you. That's tender mercies. That's being crowned with loving kindness. Again, that's what God has bestowed upon his people. And on top of that, he's given us access to even more and more and more and more crowns. The Bible says there's a crown waiting for those that just love the appearing of the Lord. Who just say, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. And if you were with us on Wednesday night, we saw that the Holy Spirit continually prays, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. I've just been thinking about that since we talked about it. So encouraging. So again, he's redeemed you and he has crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Those are benefits and reasons to bless the Lord with all of your soul. Verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. And absolutely, he satisfies our mouth practically as well as spiritually to strengthen us. Look at the food that we eat, the water that we drink. It all belongs to God. The cattle is his, the water is his, and yet he shares it with us to satisfy us and nourish us physically. Don't ever get to that place where you quit thanking God before you eat. Sanctify that food by thanking the Lord. Bless the Lord and thank him for that. Psalm 104, 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth. And then Matthew 5, 45, talking about the just and the unjust. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God satisfies you with those things. The last meal you ate, again, a gift from God. If it was burnt, don't blame God on that. That was someone else. But it was a gift from God. He's good to us in that. And spiritually, again, he wants to satisfy our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like an eagle, an eagle that soars. Isaiah talks about this on Isaiah 40. Those that wait on the Lord, they're going to renew their strength like an eagle that's a mighty bird that's a powerful bird so what do i need to do i need to put good things in my mouth and that's praising god that's giving glory to god you need to be strengthened in the lord listen the fastest avenue to it is start to bless the lord with all of your soul 
Start to list those benefits that God has given to you. Start to lift up praise and thanksgiving to God Almighty and you will be amazed how the Lord comes in as he inhabits the praises of his people and will strengthen you. All I know is this, is when we get ungrateful, when we get full of complaints, when we aren't worshiping, when it's just all self-focused, you lose all your unction for Jesus Christ. But he stands at the door and he knocks. And he says, if you open that door, I'll come in and dine with you. And I'll tell you again, you could be a million steps away and say, look, it is time to get redirected. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to start thanking God. It is amazing how he will strengthen us right where we are at. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Look, there are many true injustices in the world. And those things should grieve us. Look at the injustice to unborn babies should grieve us in this culture that we're in. The injustices towards the persecuted church. Look at the most persecuted people on the face of the earth are born again Christians. In so many foreign lands, it's imprisonment. It is the death penalty to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Great injustices. We know that, again, slavery oftentimes come up. There are more slaves on the face of the earth today than there's ever been at any time. Human trafficking is a huge, huge thing. We shouldn't ignore these things. We're not to turn a blind eye to these things. We need to be about God's business in these things. Again, first and foremost, taking the gospel out, standing on the truth of Scripture, measuring everything by the truth of Scripture, because there's a lot of things called injustices that aren't, injustices at all but we want to absolutely not let those things harden our heart towards real injustices and then we also rejoice in this god's books always end up balanced i don't got time to read it but go read james 5 1 through 6 and it talks about those who oppress those that work in the field that withhold their wage from them and the Lord says, you are storing up wrath in the day of judgment. And that, that look, at, there's an encouragement in that. Because look at, look at when, when there's the big movie on the screen, you know what? People rejoice when justice is served on it. You know, why, why is that resonating? Why are there so many, you know, things like that? It resonates in people. Or you hear about, you know, uh, you know what? Someone, you know, they go and, you know, we talked about the guy that mugs the woman and people just stand by and how it's immoral. But don't you rejoice that when, when it's the scene where that's happening and the guy turns and out of nowhere, here comes the lone ranger and he tackles the guy and holds him down, you know, and gets him in a chokehold and they come and arrest him and you actually hear he goes to prison. Oh, you're like, yeah, oh, well, that's good. Again, he executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And that's a glorious thing. We serve a just God. And some people don't like the idea of that. We just like, it should, it should, you know what? He should just love everyone where they are and accept everything. No, God's not bringing rebellion and there is punishment for sin. But praise God, Jesus Christ has made the means of forgiveness of sins. But he is a just judge and we should rejoice in that and again he is an advocate for those that are oppressed and whether it's in this life or listen god the fear of god should fall on those that are oppressing others that if it's not in this life that they face that justice in the next life because at that point there is not any more time left to repent 
Verse seven, he has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Look at, you see it throughout Moses' days in Israel's, these scenes over and over again, teaching them about Jesus. The Passover lamb, when they're brought out of Egypt through the shed blood of a lamb, teaching them about Jesus, who would be the lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. And know this, when you read the Old Testament, when you read about Moses, when you read about Israel, Joshua, which we'll be in in a couple Wednesday nights, look at, you need to rejoice in that because God worked through Israel to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior of your soul, reasons to give him praise. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Is that not good news? So good. It's so evident that he's these things. He's so again long-suffering merciful gracious slow to anger abounding in mercy look at i know i don't know about you but all i have to do is step back and look at my life and see that's the case maybe you're not my position you're like well you know what he doesn't need as much patience with me he needs a lot of it with me and he's been so good to me over the years and look at bless the lord praise god what if God had our temperament? Boy, we'd all be in trouble, would we not? And you even look around this world, we're in the days of Noah, we're in the days of Lot. I could give you a million, paint a million pictures up here. All I gotta do is start talking about Scooby-Doo. I mean, they're even ruining Scooby-Doo. You're like, what are you talking about? You can go Google that later on. Ruining Scooby-Doo, and yet God is gracious. I thought when they ruined Scooby-Doo, surely that would bring in, you know, the rapture and the tribulation. And yet God says, I'm gonna be long-suffering a little bit more. Long-suffering a little bit more. I thought Scooby-Doo was about mystery solving, not like sexuality. Just gotta ruin everything, don't you? I'm gonna leave it there because otherwise I'll start ranting and that's not good. But look at one side note with this. If God's so merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding mercy to us, who are we not to, you know what, share that towards others? How quick are we to blow up? How quick are we to demand justice for us when so often we're guilty of doing unjust things to others? We've been called to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James 1, 19 and 20, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse nine, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Look at eventually this is all gonna get wrapped up. His wrath will rest on those who reject him forever, come to Christ to get freed from that. But his coming is gonna bring in an eternal peace. And that is gonna be a glorious day. I love Psalm 35. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Again, we know the wages of sin is death. We know from Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, again, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. When man ate of the tree in the garden, God has said, if you eat of it, you'll die. Man ate of it and separation came between him and God. And God could have said, we're done with this right here. To hell with you and all of mankind that will come from you. And he would have been just in doing that but he doesn't deal with us according to our sin and iniquity. Instead, he gave the promise of the Savior to come and we know that the Savior came. And even since then, he has given us all in this room time and opportunity to call upon his name. 
Look at, don't get it twisted. Don't fall into that place of going, why does bad thing happen to good people? Some people, that's just like, what's your life phrase? Why do bad things happen to good people? Oh God, look at why do good things happen to bad people? Because this is a room full of bad people, a room full of sinners. Oh, Steve, you're crushing my ego. No, I'm sharing truth with you so that you can give praise to God and soar like an eagle and can get washed of your sin and get born again and start dealing in reality versus this fantasy world over here where they run Scooby-Doo. So (laughs) 11 through 13, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is mercy towards those who notice here, fear him. And here it is. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then notice, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. All that we've looked at and even, look at, we read more he wants to show mercy. All the more he wants to remove our transgressions. All the more he wants to lavish his love on us as a good father lavishes upon his children and so he says listen he's talking to believers here as far as the east is from the west how far is that it just keeps going it's just it's just infinity apart as far as the east is from the west again he's removed our transgressions our sins our iniquities i love isaiah forty three twenty five. it says i even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. And then Micah seven nineteen, he will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. We're told over and over and over again. Again, for them in the Old Testament, who was looking forward to Christ coming, who would fulfill where their faith was, the Savior who would come. And we look back knowing Christ has come and that the Lord paid the penalty of our sins upon the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, speaking of the Father to the Son, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. See, again, it's not just the east is from the west and they're out there somewhere. no. That's a figure of speech to tell us they're not there because Jesus paid the debt. Again, if the debt's paid, if the mortgage is paid off, you quit sending in checks. You're like, I'm free. I'm free. The debt is no longer there. 1 Peter 2, 24, speaking of Christ, himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed again it goes back to sin as far as the east is from the west now listen if he's removed our sin as far as the east from the west do you believe that can you say amen to that why don't we always fully rest in that you hear people all the time god's forgiven me but i can't forgive myself would you ever go look at dude came along and paid off my mortgage but i just can't get over it so i'm still sending checks in <laughs> after you go and shower and you know a day of work you go shower and you're clean do you come out and go am i really clean or i'm still dirty now in some cases if you don't use soap you might need to go back in there but again the lord has his shed blood has washed us of all of it We need to receive that. 
We need to receive it for ourselves. And then here's the big challenge. What's our mindset towards others? Do we extend that to others? Look at love doesn't keep an inventory or record of wrongs. When it says it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, really, again, the Greek is saying it doesn't keep an inventory or record of wrongs. When we truly repent and call upon Christ and our sins are forgiven, God's loved us. The record's not there. It's not to make light of sin. It's not, well, I'll just go do it and ask forgiveness and ta-da, it's gone. It's, it's not that. Yes, we should grieve over sin. We don't want to take grace and use it for lasciviousness to live a lustful light. I just go satisfy my flesh and I'm just lusty and God will forgive me. That, that's not the picture of someone who loves the Lord. But for goodness sakes, we've been told in Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water. Look, at that's a benefit. God has forgiven us. Let the shed blood of the Lord and the finished work of the cross wash your conscience to move forward in him. One note on this note is we, revo- re- we rejoice in verse 12, but in verse 11, verse 13, it's sandwiched with the fear of God. The fear of God. This is not a cheap verse. This is not, again, do as thou wilt. He'll separate as far as the east is from the west, then go right back to it. No, this speaks of those who fear the Lord. And listen, the fear of the Lord always starts with true repentance and faith in the Lord where you acknowledge I'm a sinner and this sin's sending me to hell. And Jesus died for my sins and he rose from the grave. And I'm here, it's either hell or it is heaven. And I believe God's gonna be true to his word when he says, if we call on him, we'll be saved. But if we don't believe and don't call, we're going to hell. Oh Lord, forgive me of my sins. I don't got time to read it, but go to Luke 23. You see two thieves on the cross. For a while, they're both both hurling insults at the Lord. And then the one on the one side just wakes up. And he says to the other one, he says, don't you fear God? We deserve to be up here. Just just the the realization, I'm up here because of my sin. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hell if I die in this. And he says, but Jesus has done no wrong. And he cries out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The fear of God fell on that guy. I'm a sinner. I deserve to be here. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is conquering sin. Lord, will you save me? And remember what he said as the thief cried out, remember me. The Lord said, surely, surely I say to you, you'll be with me this day in paradise. But it started with the fear of the Lord. Verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. For as man, his days are like grass as the flower of the field. So he flourishes for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. Look at this. This is bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He remembers my frame is frail and remembers that I'm dirt. I'm dust. Again, God made man from the dust of the ground. He gave him that breath of life, which is an eternal breath of life. But after man's sin, he said, you are of dust and to the dust you shall return. This isn't God saying, oh, there are a bunch of dirt balls. I just, oh yeah, I remember that's a little dirt ball down there. It's not, it's not that. It's him remembering we're, we're, we're dust, we're, we're frail. It's a picture of him being compassionate. 
It's a picture of them going, I bear with them. They're just dust. And so I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to, I'm going to be long suffering with them. Again, it's not where I do it. I'm a dirt ball, Lord. You remember, so I'll just be over here doing my thing. It, it's, it's not that. And listen, if that's your mindset, that needs to be crucified. That's some false teaching there. We have a reverence for God, but listen, we should rejoice in the compassion of God. Because if you got a reverence for God, you're going to know I'm but dust. I'm but dust. There's a humility that comes with it. It's compassion of the Lord. And hear this. And I want to put this in the right context. Remember this about yourself. We're not talking about setting a low standard for us. Well, you know what? I'm a dirt ball, so there's not much required of me. No, the Lord has a high call on you. And it's not making light of sin. Well, I'm a dirt ball, so I just do what I do. It's, it's not like those voices for that, you know? Because there's no reverence in that voice. But it's also, though, knowing that, look at my sins are separated from the east as the west, and as dust, sometimes I fell. And look, there's a time you just got to get up and move forward and go, look at I'm dust. That's why Jesus came. I'm forgiven. Onward, Christian soldier. Because some people, they just live, you know, they just, they can't accept that the mortgage is paid. They can't accept that they've been showered and positionally right with God. Practically, yeah, they're, they're, it's a daily thing, right? But if God remembers your dust, here's the thing. Some people are, and, and again, this is not making light of sin, but sometimes some people, they just dwell too much on that. And it's almost to move into a legalism or like, I expect more of myself. Well, you're just dust. You're a dirt ball and so am I. Now I want to be a sanctified dirt ball and I want to be abounding in the Lord. But at the end of the day, I'm a dirt ball. And I'll tell you, let me, let me tell you this. I went in the last 25 years in this pulpit. If there's days I just remember, well, I'm dust. You know what? I make mistakes. God, forgive me. I, you know, there's always, there's always a price to pay when you do. Let me tell you, he'll take you to that woodshed. As I say all the time, when you're in the woodshed, look on the wall. Pastor Steve's name's carved on it. It's carved there. Here's the other bigger thing with this. When people sin against you, do you remember their but dust? Or is it, I, I expect you to reverence me. I expect you to come down and do everything I would ask for you. How dare you sin against me? Bro, you're dust and they're dust. When you get that mentality, someone sins against you, let me remember they're but dust. They're a work in progress just like me. Let's rejoice in these benefits. And how about us extending these benefits to one another? Can we say amen to that? Again, God knows our days are short. They won't be remembered in the place where they're taken from. But oh God, thank you. As the thief said, remember me. The Lord said, I'll remember you. Verse 17, and we're almost done. We'll finish these kind of quickly. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who again, fear him. Fear is first seen in true repentance. And then it's seen in what comes next here. And his righteousness to his children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Look at the mark of someone who fears God. Their aim is to remember God's word and to walk in God's word. 
if there's no mindset, I, I don't care about what God's word says. I don't care about doing what God's called me to do. I'm just glad I'm saved. Now I'll go do what I want. There's no fear of God there. And if you really know the Lord, he'll put the fear of God in you. And if that, if that chastisement doesn't come, that's a message you need to get born again. That means you're illegitimate. God takes his children to task and it's a great picture of God's great, great, it's a benefit. Look at the correction of God is a benefit. And if anyone ever says, oh, don't say that. You know, those are bad words, boo, negative. They are not teaching God's word, but a false gospel. God's correction is good and glorious. Oh Lord, give us a reverence for your scripture. Can we say amen to that? And then 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. And listen to this, his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over the prince of the power of the air. It rules over the White House, over the Sacramento, over the San Luis Obispo. He rules over it all. You're like, then why does this stuff happen? Because again, we talked about this recently in Romans. So oftentimes, those that rule reflect the people they rule over boy if this nation would begin to really repent you would see a change in those places overnight but for the most part they reflect the people they govern but praise god he governs it all and we know this is a short-lived time christ is coming back and again he's going to set it all in order verse 20 bless the lord you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of the dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. David's praising God that God's angels are ministering spirits that do the will of God. He's thanking the Lord for that. And then he brings it right back to himself and to us. Let's in like manner bless the Lord for all his works, for all his dominion. And let's bless him with all our soul. A real quick insight into that. Again, another way to do so is with praise, but also saying, you know, I want to be a minister of the Lord. I want to live for the pleasure of God and what he would have. That's part of blessing the Lord with all of our soul. Why don't we stand up right now? And we're going to pray and close with worship. And I would hope we could just lift our voices and again, bless the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you great glory and honor. Oh, Lord, you are so good to us. Lord, let us get the right perspective in life and concerning you. Lord, let us even just remember in the life of a believer who loves you, even the supposed bad things, you work them for our good and your glory. We have all the reason in the world to bless the Lord with all that we have. And Lord, I hope and pray, God, that, that, that that's been stirred in us today. And as well as, God, just practical, God, instruction of how to get worshiping when we're not. And Lord, so many glorious truths. I just thank you that we're forgiven, God. Shine your face upon your people. Help us to finish well with our voices lifted to you. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, listen, today is the day of salvation. You gotta call upon him. Quit putting him off and call upon Christ. 
Where is your fear of God, man? We're a breath away from eternity. We don't know when that last breath is coming, but I know this, today is a day of salvation. And the scripture says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Confess your sin, ask him to wash you, to forgive you, put your trust in him and he will meet you where you are at. We thank you and praise you. Let's worship the Lord.